We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaito Shaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. When John was talking about how, you know, community is a big role in this bar, it really is true. Like, I've lived in so many neighborhoods in San Francisco, and this neighborhood in particular, and kind of this bar in particular, it's special. Like, people know their neighbors here. That was Mini Bar Operations Manager Aaron Kehoe. I'm Jeff Hunt. And this is Storied San Francisco, a podcast celebrating the people and places that make this city so special. Welcome to the last episode of Season 5. This is Part 3 of our episode on Minibar. In it, we meet Aaron. Aaron is part of a family that has been in San Francisco for six generations, and California going back to when it was part of Mexico. She'll talk about growing up in the city in the 80s and 90s, working in nightlife here, and her experiences both behind the bar and with the art on the walls at Minibar. The opening party for our show, Hungry Ghosts, will be at Minibar on Thursday, August 17th, starting at 6 p.m. Check out our socials for details over the coming days and weeks, and we hope to see you there. We've got some reruns lined up for y'all, and we'll be back with new episodes for you this fall. Thanks so much for listening. And now, here's Aaron. I'm Erin Keough. Um, you're talking to me because I am the operations manager at Minibar. So, you're a sixth generation San Franciscan? Just throw it all out there right away. Let's yes, dig I'm... into that. How many <laughs> generations back are you familiar with the stories? Because that's a minute. Yeah, so my whole young life, I thought I was a third generation San Franciscan. But... <laughs> a paltry third. I know. Ugh. We don't want you. Um, And we thought that we were just Irish, you know, our Irish immigrant family members came here um, turn of the century, but turns out my uncle started researching the family because my grandma was orphaned when she was young, so we didn't have a lot of that. That throws things off. Exactly. So my uncle started researching the family. It turns out we are sixth, I am sixth generation native San Franciscan born. Amazing. Um, Eighth generation Californian when it was still Mexico, as far back as we can tell. We don't have anything beyond that. Okay. Where um, I, I think if you're born and raised, you have to tell us what hospital you were born in. I was assuming born at, you were born in hospital. I was born at Kaiser, oh, same as John. Double double. In okay. fact, his mom may very well have delivered, delivered my twin sister and I. Okay, let's just leave it at it's possible. Like you don't need to <laughs> I mean, dig that. Knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, John um, suggested it actually because I didn't know yeah. that his mom worked there until not that long ago. And you just kind of brushed over something uh, that you are a twin. I'm an identical Identical twin. twin. My mom is also a twin. Okay. My grandma had four sets, which is wild. My mom only had one set, me and my sister, but she didn't even know she was having twins. had at least eight children? She had 12. Oh, God. So four that weren't. Nine of whom survived. Right. Um, But this was, you know, back in the 40s and 50s. Right, right. Okay. So, um... 
And do you know anything more about any? You, you mentioned your grandmother, like California. Is there anything, else, or should we move on now to you? I mean, there's always fun stuff in families, right? <laughs> my dad was a firefighter here in San Francisco, oh, like my whole young life growing up. So, you know, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't fully grow up in San Francisco. We grew up mostly in South City. Okay. But um, was he a firefighter in '89? What's that? Was he a firefighter in 89? He was. We were actually in uh, Virginia at the time oh. on vacation when the earthquake hit. But okay. my dad did leave under the pretense of having to help out. It turns out I think he just wanted to get away from <laughs> his wife and kids. So we stayed in Virginia, in Virginia Beach, actually. So it was totally fun for us. And he came home. That he is did help. He did an help earthquake story I haven't heard yeah. so far. I've heard a lot of 89 earthquake stories on this podcast, and that's what I have Nothing heard. happened to our house, though, so oh, good. thankfully. So did you say, you said... Um, Y'all lived in South City? or We lived in South City. We spent a lot of time at my grandma's house in the sunset. That was like our family home. My grandparents um, bought that home, or won it in a lottery, basically. Actually. Like where one of your parents grew up? Yes, or? my dad and his brothers were all born in the house. Okay. Um, and my grandparents moved in the day that Pearl Harbor was bombed. Oh. Um, and a lot of people, that's when like a lot of development was going up in the sunset and mm. all those track homes being mm-hmm. built um, that was in all its glory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they moved in. Day Pearl Harbor was bombed, and my dad sold it uh, less than ten years ago. I can't remember the exact year that it was sold. Oh, but okay. Yeah, no more family home out there. Oh, it's fine. Well, okay. So, but um, if you grew up in South City, and I mean, your grandparents' house couldn't have been the only place in San Francisco that you spent significant time in. What are your memories of the city beyond your grandparents' house growing up? Well, we went to church at a Masonic temple over on Brotherhood Way. Okay. Uh, we went to church on Saturdays. Um, and so we spent a lot of time kind of over there and then my grandparents' house. Okay. But we spent, I mean, we did what any kids would do going around and doing the, you know, quote unquote touristy stuff, but it's still entertaining for kids. Like, we would go to Ghirardelli mm-hmm. Square and, like, have ice cream sundaes mm-hmm. after church and then go to Emporium, like John was talking mm-hmm. about downtown. And my grandma always shopped at iMagnon. I remember uh, all of her clothes from there. Yeah. Malls, arcades, candlestick, any of that stuff. We weren't really into sports. I had a friend in sixth grade. Her parents were really into sports, and we, they would take us to football games at Candlestick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I saw any baseball games over there, but definitely 49ers games. Yeah. Yeah. And can we vaguely date you? Like, what decade or decades did you grow up? I was born in 1977. Okay. The year Star Wars came out. Yes. (laughs) I'm Gen X as well. Yeah. (laughs) And and the first showing was here, down on Geary Street. Um, first what? The first showing of Star Wars. I'm blanking. It's an old... Oh, it's like, the, um, the Coronet Theater. Coronet, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I actually had the opportunity to go and see the very first... I'm terrible at this. <laughs> but the very first, like, remake... Not remake, but the Star Wars stuff that came out in, like, the 97. 90s. Yes. I just post... Go ahead. I'll I share my lo- story with you. I very casually... I was very young at the time. I was... Oh, well, my God. I was 20. 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, like... Right. Kind of hanging out with this guy who worked at ILM. Okay. And he took worked me to that. go see it with the ILM crew at the Coronet Theater. Because it was still a theater in And everyone sat down and cheered when their name came up on the credits. It was amazing, amazing actually. So you grew up in the 
80s and 90s. Yes. San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. Okay, those are your formative years. Yeah, I would say more so 90s. Okay. Honestly, like my awareness of the world outside of my home. Right. We were pretty sheltered growing up. My parents were in like a super conservative religion. Okay. And so we... Not Catholic? Sorry. No, it okay. was Christian. I guess at the time they would say it was non-denominational. Mm. I call it low-key cult. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like evangelical Judaism, okay. if I were to describe it to people. Okay. I tend to connect with people who are Jehovah's Witnesses or previously Jehovah's Witnesses because they were very similar experiences. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So sheltered, um, coming of age, like end of high school, what were you doing, thinking? That's when I discovered kind of goth music and bands and industrial stuff. Like, I guess in junior high is when I started listening to The Cure and Susie and the Banshees, you know, the classics. And that's when I started diving into it. Yeah. Um, That music, but also that scene or like going to shows or going to clubs or anything like that? Low-key that scene. Um, man, we used to listen to Live 105 all the time mm. and would call in when they were give, when they were giving away tickets. Yep. And we would win all the time. And so my twin sister and I, we'd have our mom drop us off at like Slim's. I've been going to Slim's since like the early 90s. Yep. And seeing shows and coming full circle and seeing shows now, same bands that I saw then. Right. It's amazing. Did you see The Cure on this latest? Not this latest. No, oh, I saw okay. them in the 90s, though. Yeah. I just saw them for my first time in, right before the pandemic. And I've loved them my entire life. I just never saw them. Saw them finally. And, I was, and, now, and now, coming around, everyone is seeing them again. And I'm like... Oh, yeah. I heard this last yes, show was amazing. It's... You have to see The Cure. I, well, well, yeah. I guess the last time I saw them was at BFD, which was like a Live 105 sponsored mm. festival at the Shoreline back in the day, which... Mm. If anyone from Live 105 is listening, please bring back BFD. It was amazing. <laughs> okay, so you're coming of age around tw- early 20s. What are you doing? Pretty much as soon as I turned 18, my twin sister and I were like, we're going to clubs. So we found the Trocadero, yes. which was amazing. They had dancing like three or four nights of the week, concerts the other nights of the week, sometimes before dancing. And then my friend... Live and dan- like live and DJ? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a- I saw so many great shows there and met so many awesome people, people I'm still friends with to this day who worked security there, who were bartenders there. Like the Trocadero was like, seriously, it was kind of a community venue, right. really, back right. then. And so we would we were like pretty heavily into the goth scene, I yeah. guess. Insofar as like just going to it, we weren't like super goth ourselves, right? But yeah, we, yeah, we just hang out, hung out with all those people, and got into the nightlife scene. And I kind of never looked back. I'm not really a morning person. <laughs> Did you start bartending then, or when did no, that come along? I started bartending when I started working here. Oh. I am a bartending noob, I guess, in the practical practicing sense. Okay. But I've been in the service industry for over 20 years. Doing, uh, like, name drop some places, maybe? Well, my very, very first job, I was still in high school. I worked at the Pepper Mill in Daly City, which isn't there anymore, but they still have a casino up in Reno. Right. Um, But beyond that, I was working down on Belden lane downtown. Yeah. It was between Kearney Montgomery and Bush and Stockton. It was that very European alley down there. Plouffe? 
I worked at B44, oh, which was the Catalan restaurant. I worked at Cafe Bastille, mm. and then I got a job at Barcrudo right up the street, mm-hmm. and I worked there forever. Was that was Barcrudo sort of your entry into Divisadero life, or like when it moved over here? Yeah, yeah, it was originally next to the Tunnel Top downtown. Oh, I didn't know that. And then Barcrudo moved to Divis in 2009, okay. and that is actually how I started coming to Minibar. Okay. Oh, right, because they yeah. had just opened. Yep, they were open for, actually, a year at that point. Right. Bar was already open for a year when Barcardo moved in. Yeah. yeah. And what did you think, first impressions of Mini Bar? Great little neighborhood bar. I didn't hang out here a lot then <laughs> because my schedule, you know, I was always at work when this place was open. <laughs> but I met John quickly, and I pretty sure it was right around then he was trying to get me to work here and I was like <laughs> I don't know how to bartend you're crazy yeah fast forward yeah so within when and how did it happen that you did start working here it was in 2021 okay. and my friend Susan who is our back of house badass manager um, was bartending here forever and I would always come and see her but she and she reached out to me and asked if I wanted to work here to bartend Mm -hmm. they needed people Mm -hmm. and I was feeling crazy enough to say yes I'm like you know what I have zero experience doing it but I've had every cocktail known to man like I'm sure I can figure it out right I didn't say that at the time but now I'm saying that yeah So the first job was just to bartend? Just to bartend, and okay. then about four months later, they asked me if I wanted to manage. So. Four months? That's super... Like, you must They have... needed somebody. Okay. But also, like, I don't know. I take my jobs very seriously mm-hmm. when I do them. Mm-hmm. And I think that they saw that I was somebody that they could count on. Yeah. Work ethic. Yes. You have a work Definitely ethic. Definitely work ethic. Yes. But also, I love it. Yeah. I love this industry. So you're just like, okay, I'll do that. Four yeah. months later, when did the doing art shows part of it? That apparently was part of the job that I didn't realize when I said yes. Oh, um, okay. I always knew that this was an art bar, but I guess it, I didn't think about it. Um, and so I didn't even know where to start. You know, it's 2021 still. We're coming out of the pandemic. I don't even it's know ish. who I know anymore. Everything is sketchy. and Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of had a little freak out, but what I did is I just went through the archives of emails and I saw familiar names in it, like Cundin. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I know her. She's an artist. I'll reach out and see if she wants to show again. And then I picked some of the artists who were already in the show, like Dave Anderson um, is an amazing artist. And he was like, yes, I'll do it. And so I kind of was tiptoeing into it and then mm. things just kind of started coming my way mm-hmm. but then I met Anita Anita Bashirs, who has more art everywhere and she and including I the show that's up right now the current show and is hers when this podcast comes out will be the show yep mm-hmm. exactly that's Anita's mm-hmm. so she, it it was completely fortuitous that she and I met and now she's one of my really good friends right. too it happened really quickly but she and her business partner Greta Basil like have this company where they hang art in different places and so we get to kind of play off each other and meet different artists together and share the community spirit of the art world. For us, art is huge. I think you know this um, about this podcast. but um, And it's obviously huge for the bar. And I'm just now starting to, like, SF Gate today had a thing about a, an event at Savoy Tivoli on Wednesday. I saw that. 
I'm starting to like really reach out, not reach out, but like I'm. Things are coming into my sphere of like. There's community here. Mm -hmm. There's culture. There's so like, I just want to hear like in in your words now, a couple years into it, like, what does it mean for you to like be part of this and to like have a role in it? Honestly, I'm I'm honored because I like I'm proud of my city and I am definitely the kind of person who loves community and artists and meeting all these people and. It, I never thought that I would be part of it. I, I dabbled in art myself, but I'm definitely not what I would consider, you know... A visual. A visual artist. artist like I, I, I have done visual art, but I don't oh. practice it. Right. Um, so I think that it, it feels right, but I'm also still kind of feeling like a guest in this, where I'm mm. like, you guys have got the art down. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just here to kind of be a catalyst, I guess. Sure. In in showing it. I can think of other words, conduit, hub. <laughs> um, you know, like, we wouldn't be doing any of this if I didn't meet you. Because that, I right? wouldn't either, though, if okay. you weren't doing it, okay. right? So, so I feel accidental. like it's symbiotic, right. in a way. Right. And, and I don't know, I guess we never sing our own praises, or right. we tend not to. I definitely don't. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm just here to kind of give everyone a little lift up. Awesome. Um, so this is going to be the last podcast for a while for us because we're leading up, and I've been teasing in here and there for our listeners, um, we are going to be doing an art show here at Mini Bar with you, um, which, thank you, by thank the way. You. Um, it's coming up. We're launching on August 17th. The show is called Hungry Ghosts. The theme is Rebirth. Some of the things I'm talking about of like... San Francisco's getting a bad rap. We've also been through some shit. Everyone's been through some shit everywhere. Um, but we're like, also, fuck that. There's a lot of community. There's a lot of culture here. I guess I just want to hear, in your words, again, like, what does it mean to, you know, this show that we're doing together is not the, obviously not the first show that y'all have done. In the face of the, all the challenges but what does it mean to like keep it going and like we're like we're fucking in here right? <laughs> like, I mean honestly with you coming into the fold it is kind of opening up possibilities because I've toyed with the idea of doing some like video art in here before but it didn't really pan out but now with you there's a podcast you want to do poetry readings you know I it's turning into something more interactive which I was thinking about but not necessarily acting on and so I think that this is super exciting like this feels like a launching point if anything so the current show that's up at Mini Bar right now, let's, let's tell folks about the it. The current show is freaking awesome. Um, some of the artists that are in it, actually everything that's in here right now is of San Francisco. So there are paintings, there are stencils, there, yeah, it's mostly paintings and prints and stencils. Mm -hmm. Everything is based in San Francisco. All the artists live here. Um, Jack Keating is one of them. He, uh, 
The has, very prolific Jack Keating. That is an understatement. <laughs> yeah. He has 38 paintings painted from experiences on the 38 Geary bus, which yep. is my bus, so soft yep. spot right there. Yep. Um, but we have Miss Stencil, we have Millie Kwong, we have... Oh, uh, Anne Louise Peterson. Mm. Um, I think that's it. Is that everybody? We can do a walk around and edit okay. it later. Yeah. yeah, I'm terrible. I think that's everybody. <laughs> okay. Um, it wasn't my show. But right, yeah, right, right, Anita, right. Anita crushed it yeah. um, with this show. Yeah. I mean, we've also, we've already kind of sung the praises for anyone who's listening and doesn't know Mini Bar. Um, the bar itself, the art. I love this place, though. I do, I kind of want to, like, when John was talking about how, you know, community is a big role in this bar, it really is true. Like, I've lived in so many neighborhoods in San Francisco, and this neighborhood in particular, and kind of this bar in particular, it's special. Like, people know their neighbors here. And as transitory as the city is, and for all the changes that I have seen in my entire lifetime here, as I'm sure John has, like, people come and go, but the ones who care about the city, like, they're the ones who form community, and they're the ones who are special, and they're the ones who come to this bar. And people come in here for the first time, they've lived in the neighborhood for a long time, and they're like, oh my god, I've never been in here. They end up being regulars, because everyone who works here is awesome. Like, all my bartenders are awesome. Like, most, all the regulars are awesome. I was going to say most. <laughs> all the regulars are 99%. I'm just kidding. That's a great oh batting average. Our, the people who come through here are so special. We are so lucky. Mm. We are so lucky to have the people come in here that do. I, I'm, I'm very lucky to have this job. I feel like they gave me an opportunity here that I would not have been given anywhere else. They're like, oh, hey, you have zero experience. Why don't you run this for us? That's insane. But I'm not even going to question what they saw. But yeah, this place is so special. I feel very lucky to be a part of it. That was Aaron Kehoe of Minibar. Be on the lookout for reruns starting next week, when you'll meet or rediscover some of the artists who'll be part of Hungry Ghosts. And follow us on Mastodon and Instagram to be sure you never miss out on the stuff we're up to. We hope to see you all on August 17th at Minibar. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM.
FM, best frequencies forever.